HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Erica Woods, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, Greenhorn. This is Severin, and this is Greenhorn's Radio. Today we have an episode from the desert. Um, not the <laughs> desert. Just kidding. The, the Texas. This is Lori. She is the founder and leader of the Texas Young Farmers Coalition and much more. And I'm really pleased to have her on. Hi, Lori. Hi, Severin. How are you? So what's going what's on with the young farmer scene in Texas, Lorig? So, um, uh, you know, um, we're kind of hosting workshops. We're doing meetups every month. Um, yeah, um, kind of the tricky part of Texas is just that everybody is so spread out. And um, basically the Texas Young Farmer Coalition is based in uh, central Austin or central Texas, so mostly around Austin. Um, we've been branching out and kind of meeting some people in the Dallas area and the Houston area, um, lots of folks down in San Marcos. Um, there's kind of a revival of folks actually uh, starting farms down in the San Marcos area and closer to San Antonio. But, yeah, it's all mostly just a game of um, trying to find out where everybody is and um, connecting those dots and just basically, you know, creating a, a big network of people. So, so yeah, it's, it's moving. We've got a nice community of maybe about 30 or 40 people here right in central Texas that uh, really um, help each other out. We talk all the time. We see each other at all these events. And, uh, yeah, it's great. So, so step one is community. And Definitely. what is step two? Where is it going to go from here? Um, I think step two is um, taking, I guess, taking community kind of one step further and actually start doing things together. So, you know, use that community to go out and build, help somebody build something they need to get done or go out and help somebody plant something, help somebody uh, seek out resources that they need um, to start their farm or to access capital, whatever they need. Um, but really, you know, instead of just standing around and talking and all that, you know, uh, have an action, have a goal, 
and uh, use each other to go and uh, do that. So. And so, I mean, I spent a lot of time. We had a really fun party out there for the for the opening of the Young Farmers Coalition in Texas, and I thought you guys were such good organizers and really tuned into and learning from the process. And as there's more and more, you know, coalitions starting up, and as you know, we're learning how to be organizers as well as farmers, or in my case now, like becoming an ex ex-farmer, yeah. mostly organizer. Um, yeah. Can you talk us a little bit about, like, how you've tuned in your 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 um, observation and your facilitation of the community that you're serving? Sure. So um, so I co-founded it with um, my good friend Evan Driscoll and a few of our other friends, uh, Zach Martin and Stephen Linkus. And really it just kind of started with the four of us. And um, at the beginning it was it was actually – kind of difficult to find people who um, had the time um, or just even find people who, uh, you know, felt, uh, you know, with the capacity to sort of help organize and, and get things going. Um, but we just throwing uh, meetups. We kept uh, sending stuff out on the listserv um, over and over, and slowly we started to meet more people and see more people out at these events. It really takes, you know, people kind of coming out and uh, participating in, in these things. And then, you know, at these events, we started to recognize people who um, were experts in sort of one area or were really doing neat things um, in another part of town and kind of singling those people out and actually giving them, you know, a specific, like asking for specific help, like can you help us organize this event or we really need this uh, help with this workshop or, hey, you – um, know all these people who you know, use draft horses. Can you help set up a workshop with that? So really kind of going out and trying not to do it all yourself, but finding those people um, and seeking them out and asking them to sort of take responsibility. And, uh, yeah, we've been really successful, you know. Um, we still are always looking for new and ambitious and excited and enthusiastic people, um, and the more the merrier. So... Um, it, but it's it's slow, you know, and it can be it can take time, but um, but you get there eventually. So. Well, and you know, and also, um, yeah. No, go for it. Oh no, just you know, you also, you know, we were fortunate enough to kind of Evan and I kind of find ourselves in an already existing community of the farmers that were here. You know, and using them also, just as, you know, we learned so much from the farmers that we worked for these past four or five years, you know, using, um, you know, their community base and their resources to really go out and find find people as well. So it's all been kind of one sort of uh, just gathering of momentums, you know. The people before us got everything started and paved the way, and we're just trying to keep that momentum going and, and moving forward, so, which could be hard here because hard here because it's Texas and it's so effing big. Yes, that is a big, big issue, you know. Um, most people are, you know, pretty far away, and it's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to connect those dots. Um, so that has definitely been a struggle. You know, the closest, you know, next biggest city you know, to us is probably, you know, Houston, which is a good three hours away. So getting, you know, young farmers to come out from these areas you know, for an evening or a weekend can be difficult at times. 
but um, our method is just through different conferences and workshops. You know, we've met people in these different areas and trying to give them the resources and sort of um, know how to start chapters there, so sort of like sub-chapters, satellites of our coalition. We've got something kind of going on in the Denton area with the Cardo's Farm Project. So, again, just like slowly building and networking and uh, trying to find those people who are, are really gung-ho and enthusiastic and giving them specific jobs. So. So I guess the question I have um, of you, as, as always, the question is, you know, what do you need more of? Or, you know, the Grangers are what I always say, you know, how can we help each other more? And obviously the state coalitions are um, affiliated with the, with the national coalition, and the national coalition <laughs> is working on um, farm policy reform, and that is mostly yeah. so far been through the Farm Bill and then recently through the food safety um, comment period. Um, yeah. But it feels like over the long run, there's going to be a lot of potential for state-driven and state-oriented policy initiative and, you know, responding to issues as they arise um, and having kind of like the social infrastructure and community infrastructure and trust and knowledge to be able to get the word out about, um, you know, either dangerous and dramatic and bad policy changes or regulatory yeah. changes, but also to be engaged in, um, you know, building good, building new models and, um, you know, planning for good. And I wonder if you feel like, um, you know, some training in that area would be right or if you need more you know, media product products, or do you need more mm. business training? Like, what do you see as the kind of takeaway yeah. needs? Well, for, for Texas especially, and um, actually the city of Austin is kind of going through, it's an interesting time for Texas here in terms of policy um, because we're seeing uh, all of our cities are kind of shifting and changing codes and changing council members. So it's sort of the perfect time to start getting involved in policy and advocacy. And, yeah, I would say kind of the biggest biggest need is just voices. Like I really always encourage anybody I come across who's interested in farming or interested in agriculture to get involved with policy and at least be aware of what's happening in your state and in your city because it will really affect you in the long run. And, you know, a lot of the times, um, especially right now, it's really, really important to get involved. Uh, all the stuff that's going on nationally with the, you know, the Farm Bill and all the work that the National Young Farmer Coalition is doing, I just don't think we could have enough people get more involved in that. And it doesn't take a lot, you know. It can, it, all it really takes is just, you know, you know, reading and keeping up with, you know, what's going on and just making sure that you know what your council people and your mayor and your um, legislators and your governor are doing for you um, because you can make a difference. I really do. And, you know, we're gaining in numbers. I mean, just like I said here, we've got a core 30 to 40, um, you know, group of people here just in Austin that could really be effective for, for our city and our state. And, um, and Texas is fortunate enough, actually, to have an advocacy group for us, which is FARFA, the Farm and Ranch Freedom Alliance group. So getting involved with them is also a really great way, getting involved with us, um, just staying abreast of what's happening around you, um, you know, 
is important, I believe. So the farm, sorry, I haven't I haven't heard that much about the Farm and Freedom Group. Are they like uh, kind of libertarian, um, protecting raw milk and from animal ID, or, or yeah. what's their back? What's their kind of ilk? Yeah, yeah, they definitely do. Um, you know, things around those issues, raw milk and um, the ID. Um, one thing that they helped push through just in the last two years was for Texas was the cottage food bill. Um, which is really, really important um, because what it did was it allowed people to can and make jams and stuff in their homes. They didn't have to use a commercial kitchen for certain products. So it really helps um, a lot of farmers that I know around the area just be able to take some of, you know, their produce and turn it into a different form without having to utilize, you know, the the cost of a commercial kitchen. So, you know, they've gotten legislation through, and they're highly, highly active um, in our community, so um, they're great people. They just recently held a community action day, actually, where two days of just workshops and letter writings and bringing up issues that they were going to tackle this year, the legislation, so um, good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, um, just looking at some of the, um, looking at some of the kind of state-driven, state-driven wins, ballot initiatives and kind of like the action, uh, you know, obviously legalization of marijuana is a good example of, you know, kind of more hands-off government, which is, you know, like in, in sync with a libertarian, strong libertarian um, tendencies. I just got to see uh, Joel Salatin speak again at this conference in Kentucky called Slow Money, and man, you know, I just... I just feel like there's a really strong kinship between the, like, DIY, punk, rebel, lefty, and then hard right. It's like two wings of the same dove, you know, <laughs> left, yeah. left wing tip and right wing tip. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, and I'm always an advocate of, you know, the trickle-up trickle policy, you know. Just you have to start with the individual in your in your local community, you know, and those small things you know, eventually make um, these big changes up top, you know. But you can't wait around for the guys up top to change everything. You have to be the ones doing it. So, yeah, like you're saying, it starts with all these different types of groups, like the DIYers and then the hard rights and the libertarians, all these people coming together, um, you know, to eventually, like, trickle up and, you know, push for change, the change that they want to see. So, um, yeah, it's it's exciting. There's a... There's a really interesting race going on. Um, the GMO labeling bill was called yeah. as a law um, mm-hmm. after Monsanto dumped like $2 million in the last week or $1.6 million in the last week. or And, um, you know, they went from a 70% in favor of labeling to, you know, dead heat by the day of the election because of all these ads that were being shown yeah. that were being paid for. And um, but it turns out there's like a hundred, there's like um, thirteen thousand contested votes, and wow. so what's happening now is the grassroots is mobilizing through like Facebook and through friends and basically doing a phone tree to call mm-hmm. people whose votes are contested and verify the votes. And you know it's literally like going door to door and verifying people's votes. Um, it just occurs to me, you know, we're doing farm work. 
the majority of the farm work in this country is performed by farm workers, you know, who many times don't have driver's licenses and who coordinate their migration and their lives through cell phones, um, that we in the young farmer world would probably be well served to um, do more phone tree, you know, like uh, fire drills. And um, so I talked about that with Brooke, and we've just made a beautiful phone tree template that we're printing in the oh, nice. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just like an idea, but you can see what you think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, it, you know, and, uh, yeah, just talking to each other like we are now, like the concept of a phone tree would be a really great idea for certain things here um, that's happening right now in Austin, actually, you know. And so just always, you know, putting your fingers out there and asking questions and talking to people and learning what other people are doing is, is pretty pretty awesome. So, yeah, I'd love to see that because I can think of two immediate applications that we could use that in right now. Are they still secret, or can you talk about them in one minute? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, just like I was saying earlier, um, City of Austin is kind of going through a rewrite of all of their code and their ordinances. And um, the City of Austin has also pushed out a new kind of city plan called Imagine Austin, where they really want to, you know, push... Uh, you know, uh, increase uh, public transportation and, um, you know, do things for the environment and involve agriculture and food production within the city limits. Um, but those sort of plans don't necessarily match up with code. And right now they're rewriting them and they're asking for public opinion to come in and help rewrite this code. So if you want to say in there that, you know, urban farms should be allowed or this and that, uh, like city-owned land, a certain percentage should be used for agriculture. Like, this is the time. You know, we actually have this moment where we can say and write this code and propose it to the city. So it's, uh, it's exciting. Well, it, it seems like I know that the city of Austin has been very thoughtful about attracting artists and especially musicians by having um, really good health care. And it just occurs to me that I know a lot of those um, artists are in super solidarity with young farmers and mm -hmm. see themselves as, you know, kind of a cultural arm of the young farmers movement. And Definitely. I don't know, I get motivated all of a sudden to think about some kind of big benefit concert to raise awareness about um, supporting the kind of community that those artists want to live in, not just by giving them health care to incent them to stay, but as you're saying, city-owned land. Now, we have to get off the phone, Laura, because we are <laughs> running out of time. But um, Ooh. <laughs> so I, I'm sending you big hugs, and I'm really Look impressed you with did. your stalwart, shiny star efforts. And then, um, you know, keeping it going this long gives you good prospects for staying with it over the long term. And I, I thank you. Thank, well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for getting me started. So you were the inspiration to start this chapter. So thanks. So cool. Girl power. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye, seven. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. 
To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 